0: This week on The Real Pink Podcast, we are having real discussions about metastatic breast cancer. We'll be welcoming researchers, advocates, and people living with metastatic breast cancer to share their stories, their experiences, and their words of encouragement. Everyone can make a difference in the life of someone living with this disease by donating to breakthrough research and urging elected officials in Washington, D.C. to pass pending legislation that would directly help this community. Details and how you can turn awareness into action are in today's podcast description. Joy Janrette shares her story of being diagnosed with breast cancer at an early stage, having a recurrence, and then having another recurrence in the form of metastatic breast cancer. She's been living with NBC and working to break down barriers to much needed care for herself and the NBC community. Joy, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Adam. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fantastic. You've got a great smile. I can tell this is going to be a great interview. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. So let's start there. Joy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with breast cancer.
1: Well, Adam, I am originally from Atlanta. So I'm at one of those few Atlanta natives.
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
1: And I'm married to a great husband. He is awesome. I don't have any kids. I am an engineer by trade and been working in corporate America for a majority of my life. And honestly, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky person. So I'm kind of able to go through breast cancer, my breast cancer journey, through that same type of lens. Sometimes I try to make it as I try to be as upbeat as possible, but you know, it's obviously very difficult at times as well. So, but in regards to my journey, I'm only 38 right now, and it has been a long journey for a 38 year old. I started it. Uh, it started about 12 years ago, actually. My husband, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, <laughs> actually, is the one who found my lump, and. I was pretty embarrassed because I had didn't notice it myself, but he brought it to my attention. And so I went through and went to my primary care, got a mammogram, ultrasound, and um, it took a little bit of time because I was 25, at 25 to get insurance to approve those things, but they approved them. And once I had my ultrasound, they said, oh, hey, Joy, you have, looks like a complex cyst. And my mom, we're like, "What is a complex cyst?" And uh, so they're like, "It's probably benign, but I still want you guys to remove it." And so uh, we kind of just demanded them that you know push for them to remove it. And a couple days later, I had uh, I had I had it removed. I had a surgical biopsy, and from that surgical biopsy, they found out that it was cancerous. So unfortunately, I actually got those results on my mother's birthday. And so now, you know, when, when everyone talks about, hey, when's your, you know, what's your the date that you were diagnosed with breast cancer and things of that nature? I always have to align it with my mom's birthday, which kind of stinks, but, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. I can,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Once I was diagnosed, um, my doctor pretty much had a pretty clear plan. She's like, hey, you need to have surgery and, um, and you'll need chemo. And then after that, You'll have to be on maintenance medications for about, you know, about five years. So I'm like, okay, sounds like a plan to me. Let's go forth and do this. It was always a shock just to, you know, to be 25 and be diagnosed with breast cancer, but I felt way more comfortable when she felt like a very clear plan today, the day. Hey, I can beat this. We can, we can get it, cure it, and move on. And so um, I did that. And in, in the backdrop, I'll say that I was working full time and I had just finished my first semester of part time law school. And so I was just like really frustrated by the fact that I was going to have to withdraw for, you know, at least from that semester. But I, I did pick it back up a year later before I left off and, and, and finished. But it was just very frustrating to just kind of start something and just kind of your life get put on pause for a second. So then I went on with life. <laughs> I uh, had treatment and then I started my maintenance medications. I did my annual scans. Then about four and a half years later, I, I'll say that the second shoe dropped. And what I mean by that is I had a, a person, once you've had breast cancer, you are now kind of in a, um, a constant state of getting scans, every annual scans to make sure it doesn't come back, right? So... Four and a half years later, I was devastated because my scans did what they're supposed to do. Like they found breast cancer again um, in one of my lymph nodes. And um, so it was kind of like a double-edged sword. I was devastated, but at the same time, I was glad that the scans found the breast cancer um, recurrence. Um, It did what it was supposed to do. I had treatment again, um, radiation and chemo, started back on the maintenance medications again. Once I finished that, Actually, I went on with life again. Coincidentally, <laughs> I found out about my recurrence the last semester of my law school. <laughs> my last, my last semester of part time law school. So I delayed taking the bar, but I did end up taking the bar while I was um, finishing up my um, chemo treatments. So I studied for it and um, and passed the bar. Um, but then I said, Oh, this is not the the lifestyle I want. <laughs> I had to have some. Changes and pivoting in my, what I wanted to do in life. And so after that kind of went on, I've, for four more years, I feel like as soon as I get to these five-year marks, you know, just cancer just wants to like rear its pointy head. And I was traveling for work, had gotten this cough, like really dry cough. I don't know, just would not go away. It was pretty much like a just persistent cough that wouldn't go away. And when I turned home from the, the work travel, I went to the urgent care. They're like, oh, it's probably bronchitis. You know, here's a Z pack. Went away, then it came back again a couple weeks later, and I went back to urgent care. They're like, same thing. You know, here's another Z pack. <laughs> you know, it's probably chronic bronchitis. So now you should probably go see your your primary yeah. care. I went to go see my primary care, and they're like, oh, you probably have adult onset asthma. So I'm like, okay. And they, I, you know, they gave me some medicines for that. You know, a inhaler, things of that nature. And then still wasn't really going away. And so I went to an ENT doctor. And in the meantime, my six-month follow-up with my oncologist came up. And she's like, "Let's look a little deeper because my chest X-rays were always clear." So she did a CT, and then she said, "Hey, something looks suspicious," and then did a PET scan. And she's like, "Yeah, it looks like your your cancer has metastasized," and so it had, you know, metastasized out of the breast and lymph nodes into other parts, some of my other organs. So it was definitely devastating. But I was just, I shouldn't been, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was because I felt like if I'm getting my annual scans all the time it should have caught this before it metastasized. Mm-hmm. and so that in itself is a little frustrating for me because yeah. you're like, "wait, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing." Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, I'd love to kind of compare and understand your experiences both in getting an early stage diagnosis and then how that compared with getting an MBC diagnosis.
1: All right. So an early stage diagnosis, it was very devastating, but very clear cut. There's a clear plan. They prepare before the side effects, you know, for going through treatment. They made it feel like it was just routine, very standard of care. It's going to be routine. We got this. You no, know, you know, people don't die from early stage breast cancer. And so I felt very comfortable that I wasn't going to die. They are going to be able to remove it. I was going to be cured and move on with life. And I did that a couple times, <laughs> obviously, with both of those early stage diagnoses. But with metastatic, I actually went into my metastatic diagnosis thinking with the same early stage mindset, meaning I thought that we will, uh, my first treatment was going to be the cure-all, it was going to make, I'll just be able to do the treatment and then go back to life as normal. And what I realized is that is not the case for when you're metastatic. It is, you could be on, take have to take multiple different lines of treatments, but it's really a, it's a science to it. And what I mean by that is it's, you know, everyone is not the same. There's no necessarily a clear standard of care because, you know, everyone's, metastases are in different locations. You have your different, you know, you have obviously your different breast cancer types. There's very, you know, you're really getting into how your DNA, of, you're looking into the DNA of your tumor. I told someone, I feel like sometimes I'm on Dr. House, you know, and we're... <laughs> Where, you know, they have the big uh, whiteboard of all the different aspects of you and your cancer and, you know, and your metastases and, and just, you know, how you're tolerating certain treatments. It's definitely like a, a scientific discovery every time. You're like,
0: like a mystery hmm. that has to be solved.
1: Yes, it is. Why is it doing this this time? Or why is it in the form of this thing or what have you? So to be fair, I feel like I've kind of become a little bit of a mini scientist myself. <laughs> trying to connect these dots and just understand all the different treatments, all the different types of clinical trials. And and just to really be able to talk intelligently to my doctor, honestly, to be able to challenge my doctor, hey, why are you deciding to do this treatment over another treatment? So I can understand the side effects that I'm dealing and making sure that if it's if it's a normal, if it's related to cancer, or is this just a, you know, normal pain that any regular person would have, or a regular person issue is, how do you figure out, if it, is it a regular person issue, or is it a, a yeah. cancer issue, you know, and so you're always trying to figure out, you know, which both does that, you know, that side effect, or that, you know, that pain, or that, you know, um, falls yeah. into. Yeah,
0: that makes so. sense, and so you, you've, you've maybe answered this a little bit already, but I, I'd like to dive a little deeper. Tell us a little bit more about uh-huh. what it's like to live with NBC.
1: So I I have to say it for a, a few things. Number one is kind of on a daily basis, you are always trying to manage your side effects of the, any treatment that you're on. So, and for me, one of the biggest side effects is fatigue. And, and, and fatigue is one of those things that's kind of gray, right? So it's... <laughs> You can't even put your finger on it, but when you feel it, you definitely feel it. Sometimes I, I tell people I hit like a, a fatigue wall, meaning I'm going, 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 and then all of a sudden, bam, I hit a wall, and I literally have to like rest or take a nap. And you know, and historically, you know, before cancer or before NBC, uh, I um, I'm able to kind of push through tiredness. And right, and I, I can't really push through tiredness like I. I, like I could mm. before, and my I have to get the adequate amount of sleep in order for me to, to literally yeah. function, <laughs> and before I was able to kind of just push through that, but there's a lot of other side effects that people have um, to their treatments. I've luckily haven't had a lot of them, like, you know, things like nausea or pain, other types of pains and things of that nature. Um, So I've been fortunate, but I know a lot of my NBC friends have um, have other uh, other side effects that they have to manage on a daily basis. Two more things that I would say, at least for me, is that I am always trying to figure out and what is the next treatment that I may have to get on because with NBC there is a lot of research a lot of new treatments that are out there a lot of clinical trials and you're really trying to stay up abreast of you know what could be I mean what's next because because you're always waiting for your current treatment to stop working if you're waiting for your current treatment to stop working in order to for at least for me to kind of relieve some of the anxiety of that is to always know kind of what are my other options and what is my next options. And so I I do spend a lot of time in just trying to understand that. And the third thing is the self-advocacy. When you have metastatic breast cancer, or if you have, honestly, if you have any type of cancer or chronic disease for that matter, you know, you have to self-advocate on a different level. And what I mean by that, you have to advocate with your doctors. So they, number one, know what you're feeling from your side effects of the treatments and they don't dismiss them. You have to advocate for yourself with your insurance Mm -hmm. providers because your insurance providers are, you know, they look at you as a number. And so you have to make sure that you're getting the adequate coverage that you're supposed to be getting. You have to make sure you're advocating for yourself when it comes to the hospital billing department. You know, (laughs) when you get these hospital bills or these bills from your um, your doctor's offices and things of that nature, you you have to make sure that you don't, number one, fall through just cracks. You don't get overbilled. And I think and so you just really have to always stay Mm -hmm. on top of it because it's really you're your own best advocate. And if you are not. If you're not advocating for yourself, you'll fall through the cracks,
0: you know, and it's
1: your life. And I always tell people, is your life, your health that's on the line? And honestly, is your financial well-being that's on the line too, you know, when you kind of don't push back and you don't advocate for yourself from the, from that financial mm-hmm. perspective? I kind of have to do a inner self-advocacy. What that means is, like, I have to remind myself that i do have NBC, and um i have to you know rest i have to recuperate and i have to you know realize that i do have limits and i can't uh, you know i can't push myself like i may have pushed myself before and um and just kind of recognize what my limits are and that's a it is hard to, it's hard to kind of do your own like inner check of a self-advocacy when you want to always push yeah, and do more. So I can
0: imagine. And so that, that kind of leads me to the last question then. Have you had any barriers to care? And if so, what is the biggest obstacle been to receiving the care you need?
1: I'm fortunate enough to have really good healthcare throughout my entire journey, but a lot of women aren't that fortunate. But one of the things that I will have to say, no matter what type of healthcare coverage you have, is making sure that your doctors are working for you. What I mean by that is doctors are service providers. And if they don't meet your expectations, you need to find a new service provider. And it's not necessarily on purpose. Some doctors are, you know, their bedside manner may not um, jive with you, or they may dismiss your concerns and you feel, and you feel dismissed. Um, And one of the things that you just need to make sure you do is, especially when you have a chronic disease and your relationship with your doctor is lifelong or it is a very long, you know, long relationship, is, uh, is to make sure don't feel guilty about changing your doctor. You know, if they are not meeting your expectations, there are lots of doctors that are out there. And there are doctors who can, who really you can connect with, and um, and not all doctors connect with all patients. So you just need to make sure that you find the doctor that you connect with the best and the most, and who has your best interests in mind, and who is not, who will not dismiss any concerns that you have. Because with NBC, you are always going to be in different types of treatments. You're going to have different types of side effects, and you really got to be able to navigate what is kind of in that cancer bucket versus in the, you know, it's just a regular pain bucket and, and you need to, your doctors need to be in tune with you to be able to help you navigate and figure that out as well. So I don't be afraid to challenge their thought process and making sure that you know, that you understand where they're coming from, why they're making the decisions that they're making, what are some of the alternative considerations that they, um, that they kind of deliberated on to come to their conclusion, um, so that you know that they're actively thinking about every aspect of you when they're making their decisions. Everyone in NBC is a unique case. Everybody is unique. So you are not typical, and your journey is not typical. So I, I'll guess I'll leave it with that. Adam is just you know every your every NBC journey is very unique, and and it should be treated that way.
0: Yeah, oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Joy, I love your energy, I love your enthusiasm, I love your commitment to finishing law school and just going after. I mean. I can't even imagine like doing chemo and the bar at the study for the bar at the same time. Like It's just unbelievable. So thank you for, for just your, your tenacity and the way you're going after life. And thank you for sharing that life with us here on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you.
1: No, this has been great, Adam. I hope I can help some women out there and thank you for having me on today.
0: Support for NBC week is brought to you by our partners, Eli Lilly and Merck. Thank you for joining us on this special episode of Real Pink, focused on metastatic breast cancer. You can help the metastatic breast cancer community today by donating to Breakthrough Research by visiting komen.org forward slash donate. You can also contact your local lawmakers by texting MBC to 40649.